Welcome to the podcast that demands ambition, passion, and courage in order to succeed in this mission called life. All you have to do is just pass your limit. Go beyond your restraints by embracing the physical, intellectual, and emotional suck that life will throw at you. I'm your host, Ugo. I do not claim to be the subject matter expert, but I will share my experiences and I'll ask my guests to do the same. The discussions will be guided by honesty and civility. Some episodes will have guests, but most of them will be me and you. No excuses accepted here, people. None. I'm excited to get after it. So without further ado, let's go. My guest today is the president of the National Naval Officers Association, and in a way, he served in the United States Navy for 34 years. He is from Washington, D.C. I am very, very, very excited to welcome Admiral Harris to the Passion Limit Podcast. Sir, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, and thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Um, Without further ado, let's just hop right into the questions, because I have a lot of questions for you. Can you give my audience some context to your story? How long? I already talked about how long you're in the Navy. Um, how did how did your path lead you to the Navy, and what did NNOA do for you along that way? Uh, thank you, Go. I appreciate uh, the question, and uh, uh, thank you for allowing me to have my first time on a podcast. This is the type <laughs> of thing that I hope uh, we do in NNOA more and more uh, yes, to try to remain. Uh, relevant uh, to our our constituents. So I'm the only son of a working uh, woman, single working mom uh, from Washington, D.C., who was actually in the United States Army, Women's Army Corps. Graduated from James Madison University and uh, had a job I was working, but I still had a passion uh, for adventure and travel uh, through all my rising up in uh, southeast and northeast Washington. Uh, actually, I applied for the Naval Academy, did not get selected. Um, but uh, after I graduated from college and I was working, I realized that I was bored. I still wanted to travel and see the world. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, I went to the Navy recruiting, and I, luckily, and you know, God willing, they were building the 600-ship Navy. Uh, mm. And they had to put sailors on those ships, so I signed up, and I was a surface warfare officer for thirty-four years. Wow! How much? How much sea time do you have, sir? Lots. I'd say <laughs> uh, more than more than half my time uh, was spent either on uh, sea tours, cruisers, two of mm-hmm. them, destroyer, frigate. Uh, command ship and a bunch of amphibs uh, and uh, deployed overseas, uh, lived overseas a couple of times in India and, and Pakistan and uh, in uh, Bahrain and places like wow. that. And wow. uh, then I had six tours in Washington, D.C., including five in the Pentagon. Awesome stuff, sir. This is, this is awesome stuff. So let me go right into the next question. Let's unpack what NNOA is. And... By that, I mean this. What is NNOA? Um, Who are the members? And what does NNOA do? And how do people join? I know I just asked you like four questions, 
But uh, we start off with what, what's NNOA? So NNOA would today be defined as an affinity group. Um, now, we're unique in that we uh, look for members from across different ethnicities, races, genders. If you look at our logo, you see all the colors of the rainbow, if you will. You can't tell male from female, gay from straight, uh, all those things. Um, uh, so we really are a, an affinity group that just believes in diversity and inclusiveness and equity. Uh, you ask uh, where the members come from, uh, mm-hmm. aside from you know any demographic group, and we have representation from across all demographic groups, uh, we have membership mostly from the Navy, Coast Guard, and Marine Corps, okay. the sea services, that's where we were founded. But we also have members from the Public Health Service, from uh, the National Oceanographic Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, and right. also from the Merchant Marines. So we cover oh, wow. all those who wear a naval uniform. Mm. And joining is easy. Go online, www.nnoa.org, and join now. So just to join, they go to uh, www.nnoa.org, and all the uh, requirements to join are all on there and easy to access. Um, access. Absolutely. Awesome. That's good stuff. So more questions about NNOA, though. You said a couple key things there. You said it's open to all demographics, regardless of um, sexual orientation, any of that. It's all inclusive. And I love that. I love it. So um, for the members in all the different branches, how do they get a hold of, except from the website, is there another way they could get a hold of NNOA members to... um, if they have questions or things like that, uh, I just thought about so, that. So if you if you join uh, in a way, then mm-hmm. you get access to the members only part of our website, and there you can seek mentors. Uh, you can link up with different personnel. Uh, you can always email any of our service affiliates. Uh, for example, the Navy is Desmond Walker. Uh, okay, and uh, you could email your know, Navy at nnoa.org and, and you'll get to him. Um, so so there's plenty of ways to connect. Uh, we've got uh, groups that meet uh, across the country and across the world. I mean, you're in Spain. We've got a group yes, in Guam. We've got a group in Japan uh, yes, as well. Yes, sir. That's awesome stuff. And we'll get back to NNOA. Um, your legacy on the podcast right now, as you can tell from my voice, I'm excited. So I need to unpack a little bit more who the admiral is. Where do you get your drive from, sir? Well, I, it's funny that word drive is a very important one for me. Uh, and I think it really is something that helps each individual achieve what they desire or even more than what they even desire. Mm. And uh, I would tell you that my drive comes from three entities. Uh, it comes from my Lord, a man of faith. Okay. It comes from my family. We all come from somewhere, and I'm proud of mine as much as anybody else is proud of theirs. And it comes from my shipmates wanting to do the best I can uh, for the sailors, Marines, Coast Guardsmen, docs, uh, lawyers, all those folks uh, that uh, I've served with at sea or ashore. Right. That's awesome. Okay. And next question is, if you could go back and ask 
or advise Ensign Harris? What would you say to young Ensign Harris uh, from Admiral Harris? I would tell young Ensign Harris to step away from the pizza. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, sir. I wasn't was expecting that. I would, I would say, hey, hey there, shipmate, your knees are not going to be kind to you when you turn 60 plus like I am now. Um, so step away from the pizza a little bit more. Keep in the gym, maybe even do more gym time. But uh, aside from that, I wouldn't change much of things. I mean, I've been happily married for 31 years. Uh, I've got a great family, great friends. Uh, I feel pretty good about me uh, as as far as I know. And um, I wouldn't wouldn't have him change much, though. You're always going to go through hard things in life, uh, mm-hmm. difficult times, uh, but you know you learn from those things. It's not the getting knocked down that matters; it's getting back up. Mm. It's not the getting knocked down that matters; it's the getting back up. Check. And with that, that's a perfect segue to my next question: What is the most uncomfortable thing that you've ever done, and how did you overcome it? So I'd have to say there there are multiple things that were uncomfortable to me. Um, the first one that comes to mind was when I was in command of Comstock LSD 45, uh, and, uh, 9-11 had just happened. So, uh, we were in, uh, Darwin, Australia, up top, as they would say, when it happened, we had to bring all the members of the, uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit and the Amphibious Ready Group, uh, back on board our ships. Uh, we got underway, and we were heading eventually for Afghanistan, uh, or at least heading for the Pakistan coast, and then moving Marines into Afghanistan. I suffered a major engineering casualty. I lost control of my uh, port shaft and had oh. reduction in speed, and I had to see the rest of the Marines and the amphibious ready group going off without me to the war that had just begun. That was not a highlight for the commanding officer of an amphibious warship that had done everything well up until that point. Um, right. Now, how do you how do you handle situations like that? Yes, um, not by screaming, not by gnashing your teeth, but by uh, depending on the crew. Getting, you know, make sure I let my leadership know here's what's going on, here's what we're doing. Um, and, and not making not making things up in terms of how fast I'm going to get fixed once I didn't know exactly how long it's going to take to get fixed. Yes, uh, but by working with my crew and and I got to tell you the proudest thing I remember going into the engine room uh, to investigate what they were doing uh, on my uh, my port shaft, and I see sailors and Marines working together in my engine room. Wow on fixing the problem because they all want to get to the war as well. Right. So that that is one thing I've always depended on the crew um, uh, for recovery, the chief warrant officers, the LDOs, the uh, chiefs, mess, the crew, uh, officers as well. And then uh, the thing ashore that was most difficult for me was I sat on a selected early retirement board uh, and, and this was very tough because we had to look at a large number of officers, and, and these are all commanders and captains. And mm-hmm. for 99.95% of them had done everything the Navy had ever asked them to do 
and we had to pick uh, a bunch of them, I think 200 or so, to go home. And, you know, these people were, some of them were in command of some of our shore establishments. Uh, They all had, again, done very, very well in their career to make commander captain. Um, And I knew a bunch of them. And having to sit through that was agony. Um, As Mm -hmm. I saw my own shipmates having to be told they had to go home earlier than they had planned. Uh, And how did I handle it? Uh, Through prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. But also through uh, going and talking to them. I got permission from the president of the board to, once the results had been let out, because I I hated the idea of a friend of mine, I hated the idea of myself, if I was in their their shoes, getting uh, a letter uh, from the Chief Naval Operations basically saying, thank you for your interest in national security, but you got to go home now. Uh, and I, So I wanted to look him in the face and tell him hey, this is what happened. And, what, and the guys I talked to all uh, appreciated A lot of them were emotional, as you would right. imagine. But that right. was the toughest thing ashore that day. That was good stuff right there. That was heavy. I did not expect it to go that direction, but thank you for sharing, sir. I really appreciate it. A lot of things can be learned from that. And um, so I'll, I'll ask you this then. What makes a good leader? And do you think leaders are born? So I, I certainly think that there, that leaders are born. That there, there are natural born leaders. Wait, you, you said you think they're born? I, I think that, that there are natural born leaders. Okay. Got you, sir. But I also I think that you can be uh, trained, developed, mentored, coached into being a good leader as well. Yes, and uh, and I would tell you back. And I apologize to those who don't have a religious bent, but I I go back to uh, Micah six eight uh, in the Old Testament, and yes, it asks, you know, what does the Lord require of the ser- of thy servant? And it says to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, I think that that, surmise, that is a summary of, of what I think a good leader would be. is somebody who, number one, thinks of themselves as a servant. You know, you look yes. at the Navy as a pyramid, right? With the, yes, you know, on the top and, you know, ensigns and uh, semen apprentices down toward the bottom of the yes, base sir. of that uh, pyramid. Well, you really need to invert that pyramid, okay? Mm-hmm. And think about as you get more and more senior, you got more and more people who you're responsible for and to, yes, okay, sir. as a servant. So, number one, they talked about being a servant. Number two, act justly. Now, justice can be tough. Uh, watch Judge Judy. Uh, watch Judge Hatchet. You know, yes, justice can be tough, but it needs to be fair and it needs to be equitable. Uh, but you also have to temper it with mercy. Okay, uh, all of us have and will ha- make mistakes. I know I've got my share, yes, and and everybody wants to have a second chance or given a break. Uh, so you know, you got to have that in mind. And then it, the more senior you get, the more humble you should be. And mm. I mean, even though you're, you're wearing, you know, bars and then different color oak leaves and then stars and whatnot, you, you think about the people that are, are working with you and all the heroic, great, uh, dramatic 
the things that they are doing to keep your ship afloat, to keep your organization going, to keep your information coming in. Yes, um, and and I'm just awe-inspired uh, awe by what they're doing. And, and so you should be walking humbly uh, as you get more and more senior, because the more and more senior you are, the more and more you are dependent on those individuals that are, are closer to the base than closer to the top of that pyramid. Roger that, sir. Good stuff. I will listen to this podcast over and over again. <laughs> Some gems are being dropped here, sir. <laughs> Knowledge. And I love it. So let me follow up that question and go back. Let's, let's dig deeper into leadership. What are your thoughts on mentorship versus sponsorship? Would you say there's a What's the key thing that differentiates both of them? Whenever I, I get in this conversation around mentorship and, and those things to help career development, I, I look at it the same way as you would navigate a ship. Okay? okay. And as you're navigating your way through the channel or from point A to point B, you need to have navigation aids. Points of bearing, uh, things that you can look at and determine it, kind of where you are based on your progress. Those are mentors, all right? And yes, they sir. can be senior to you. They can be junior to you. They can be the same rank as you. If you're smart, you get mentors from a wide variety of people, which is why, in a way, it's so great because we have such diversity there. Right. Because if I'm taking all of my mentoring from uh, one person or one group of people is similar to taking all my uh, my bearings from the same navigation aid, okay? Mm. And you don't know where you are on that line if you're just shooting the same bearing all the time. So mentorship to give a navigation aid. Now, um, the next piece before you get to sponsorship is coaching, okay? Mm. And to me, coaching are the ones who, like the pilot who comes on board your ship, who is familiar with the channel or familiar with the port that you're going into, yes, sir. Uh, can help you understand where you are better and what you need to watch out for coming around the bend and get you prepared for it. Coaches also like the folks at the float training group or the other training groups because they have been to where you're going and they're, they're teaching you. And a lot of times they're going to give you tough lessons. Okay. Remember, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Again, Ooh. that's from the Bible. Not, that's yes, not sir. Sinclair Harris. Uh, yes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the point is that uh, you need those tough coaches. I, I, my, one of my favorite ones is D.C. Curtis. And D.C. Curtis, when he was the commander of uh, our surface force, he was, he was a hard ride, but he was a good and just man. And and he may be better as a commander, as a captain, and as an admiral, uh, working under his uh, coaching. And then the third aspect, your sponsorship, is is critically important, especially as you get more and more senior. Because what happens as you get more and more senior, uh, the quality cut of officers that are being evaluated for promotion, for selection for special assignments, gets uh tighter and tighter and tighter 
in a good way because you know these these are the folks that got the experience got the uh, wherewithal have the knowledge and it's a it's a tougher cut as you get more and more senior as you can see from any promotion board right so you got to have somebody i think who's sitting inside the tank and if you don't know what the tank is you need to go talk to one of your mentors they can tell you what it is uh <laughs> but sitting in the tank uh, with the finger on the trigger that knows you more than just a piece of paper being flopped up on one of the five or six screens that are being shown uh at the selection board you got somebody who's inside uh the staff that knows you and and can separate you or differentiate differentiate you from the other nine outstanding candidates for this position or that so right. i think that advocacy that sponsorship is key and get more important as you get more senior again i would tell folks if you don't know who your advocates are you got a problem and it's not because you're trying to kiss somebody's you know what it's right. because you need to make sure they understand where you are okay and what your aspirations are and goals are and so that they can help Think about that when they get in those situations where somebody asks or they're on the board and can have the chance uh, to help you uh, to help yourself. Hmm. That's awesome. Sir, I have a follow-up question everything you just said. It's something I heard from you that I've never heard before. Mentorship piece. You said that you shouldn't, you, you can look and juniors as well for mentorship? Is that Absolutely. what I heard? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I took command of Comstock, that All was right. about my sixth ship, I think, by that time. So I, I, I understood, you know, going to sea and being deployed, um, but I didn't know a lot about amphibious operations. Did not. Mm. Where did I learn a lot of that from? I learned a lot of that from the LDOs and warrants that were on there where I asked some questions. I learned it from the first class in the deballasting room. Hey, what's this? What's that? How'd that work? Mm. Um, and I, I'll go about all the way back to being an ensign. I asked lots of questions. In fact, most people, they ask if you talk to him about me, this he's always got questions about stuff. Um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I was sincere in my questions. Because I wanted to learn more. So you can learn from those. You also learn what matters to folks. Okay. Mm. Um, and and I, I take mentorship all the time in, as president and in, in a way from those on active duty, from those who are junior from different MOSs and my same. Uh, so you get mentorship, you know, from all different directions, just like you're navigating that ship through the channel. You're taking mm-hmm. shots on different angles to make sure you know where you are. Thank you for that, because that makes me feel better, because I ask a lot of questions, and sometimes I feel like, uh, am I being a nuisance sometimes? <laughs> I'm asking, I should know some of these things and not ask too many questions, but nobody seems to mind, and people seem to want to help, especially the first class, the deck plates, they always want to help, so good. Hey, uh, let me tell you, I, I truly believe this to this day, sailors mm-hmm. love talking about what they mm-hmm. do. Sailors love talking about what they do. I remember that. Now, you mentioned MOSs and designators in NNOA. Let's go back to NNOA. I have a couple questions about that. So, and it comes back to the WIFM. Those that don't know what a WIFM is, it's what's in it for me. 
And this time I'll say, what's in it for them? The members that are coming to NNOA, what can they expect? So for instance, if you have a special operations officer, let's pick one, a, a Marine officer that's um, a Marine Raider, or, and you have a medical Corps officer or a medical officer, what will those two officers have in common at NNOA? No matter what MOS, no matter what designator, no matter what school group you belong to, um, you are going to need to have a strong network to succeed. And that becomes more and more important as you get more and more senior. And in a way, helps provide a great avenue to that network. And that network is best if it's diverse. And in a way, provides for that diverse networking opportunity. We have, of course, our annual conference. You attended that. I think you must have enjoyed it or got a lot out of it. Otherwise, you'll never have me on your podcast. <laughs> yes, um, I loved it, sir. Uh, so, and you saw the diversity of leaders that came. And I would bet that you learned from both the Marine Corps, you learned from the Coast Guard, as well as the yes. Navy leaders yes, and the public health service, because they, they all share that mission orientation, but from a different perspective. And and broadening your perspectives is what NNOA does in, in those uh, larger events and also at our local council meetings. So I'd say it, it's a broadening that uh, is in it for you, be you a special operations uh, officer or a, a jet fighter pilot. I'd say it's a networking uh, that helps you uh, progress and do well. I can't tell you how many times I called upon my NNOA network as I grew uh, through the Navy in different assignments. It uh, gives you a place to unpack some of that stress that all leaders have uh, and find out, hey, it wasn't just me, okay? And uh, it just gives you a little bit more familiarity uh, with, the, with the bigger picture. So I think there's a number of things that are, are in it for anybody that uh, is a member and, a, and the more active, the better of NNOA. Yes, sir. Thank you for that answer. And I will add to that because, yes, I will, because um, last symposium, NNOA symposium, was my first NNOA symposium, and it blew me away. And I'll say this. A couple things blew me away. The diversity in the room, the plethora of designators in the room, and their buy-in to each other and helping members. I, I don't think I've ever seen that outside of my fraternity. And um, it was just it was just something special in there. All races, genders. And I was very, very proud to be in that room. I came out motivated and I, I feel I feel in a way something that is super is really special, really special and will help retention. I don't think enough people know about and in a way and. We, we just need to do more to um, broaden, uh, broaden that uh, spectrum. So, and with that, I want to ask you, 10 years from now, 10 years from now, where would you like to see NNOA? I believe that NNOA can become the premier career development affinity group in the United States Sea Services, Public Health Service, uh, NOAA, 
and Merch Marine. Mm-hmm. I believe that through our, our networking, our mentoring, our coaching opportunities, right. we offer that uh, stimulus to help uh, young men and women across the board progress uh, more quickly in this world that becomes even more complex day in, day out. That's what I would like to see in a way as the premier career development organization or affinity group in the Navy. Check. And before I go on to my next question, let me add and another. Let me, let me add one other piece of this. Yes, sir. And the, and the reason why uh, in 10 years I would hope it would be doing that and still be around is because in 10 years we're not going to solve the diversity challenges we have in the leadership of our sea services and the like. I've had comp- uh, many meetings with everybody from CNO, Commandant, Dots uh, on down, and they all recognize that it takes how long to make a flag officer, a general officer. And given that we don't have a, a, a great amount of diversity right now in those ranks, it takes a while to get there. So for at least 10 years, you're going to need to have a steady flow of people who are coming up of diverse backgrounds in order to get to that point that makes our sea services strong enough, agile enough to compete in this great power competition era that we're in. Awesome. And the key thing is talent, right? Because I've heard you say that before. Because you come in, you have to perform, right? Oh, yeah. That's awesome stuff. And uh, we mentioned symposium um, earlier. Is that an annual event? And can you speak a little bit more to that, what an NNOA symposium is? So the symposium, the uh, Career Development Leadership Symposium, has been an annual event for well, 47 years. Uh, I think this year was going to be our 48th uh, year, but of course the coronavirus uh, put a, uh, a kibosh on, uh, on having right. the physical uh, meeting. We're looking to still do a webinar um, and, and try to get some of our, our talking points and, and, and uh, speakers out. Um, but uh, that has been a staple for NNOA, as far as I know, uh, for 47 uh, consecutive years. And How look old at, is NNOA, sir? Uh, we're starting in 1972, so we're 48 mm-hmm. years old uh, this year. And uh, we're looking forward to having a big symposium in Annapolis where we started for our 50th. Uh, we'll be there. Captain, Rick, Captain Rick Wright, who is uh, our uh, historian and a professor at Syracuse, is leading the charge. Awesome. Good stuff, sir. Now, let me go into the next question I wanted to ask you. Diversity. We've talked about it. Can you open up that door and talk to me about what does diversity do for and in a way and what does it mean to you as the president? of the National Naval Officers Association. So let me kind of start the big picture and work my way down. Yes, sir. There, I have yet to find anyone who has shown me any study, any proof that uh, diversity does not, and inclusiveness does not improve an organization. 
every study that I've seen, be it commercial or be it uh, in the military, time and time again, show that you have better decisions, more resilient a workforce, more yes, innovation, sir. more creativity mm-hmm. by having a diversity, not just of thought, because you can get five black guys and have a diversity of thought, but right. uh, you have diversity of perspectives, okay, from having a truly diverse group uh, making those decisions. So I think that at the top, Mark, if you uh, asked any of the commandants at CNO, any of those leaders, you know, why diversity? It's not just because they want uh, people to feel good about uh, seeing a mix of folks inside there. It's because mm-hmm. you want to have that agility, that resilience, that creativity, that innovation, innovation, innovative thought uh, as part of your organization and take advantage of the richness that makes up those members that come into our military from across the nation and across the world. So that's that's the main reason for diversity. And if you neck that down, so what is In and Away trying to do? In and Away believes that that is its mission to help improve that inclusiveness, improve that diversity in order to meet the the needs, the talent needs, the requirements. I I pray for all of uh, those on active duty uh, every day. All of you all on the front line. Uh, your world is so complex, more than the one that I uh, served in, and I just retired five short years ago. Um, the the reaction of the defense. Uh, the people in defense and sea services to coronavirus is is a great example, a testament to the bravery and fidelity and innovation uh, of our services. Uh, keep on keeping on. I'm thinking about you, praying for every day. I would ask anybody who is even remotely interested in improving our sea services to consider the NNO way. And if you are a member of NNO way, I'd ask you to bring people. Uh, to your local meetings, to the symposium that look like you and don't look like you, that think like you and don't think like you, uh, because that's what's going to make us stronger together. That's what Illinois is all about. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, sir. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Hopefully we can have a symposium here maybe next year. Thank you, sir, for your time. And we'll talk again soon, sir. Thank you. Thank you.